0: As we glance back at 2015, looking back over the past year, we can see that the gathering has grown significantly, and we're grateful to God for every step along the way. Not only has our church family grown larger in 2015, but more importantly, many of our folks have grown spiritually, and as people get more comfortable here, and acquire a sense of belonging to this church family, one question we hear is What can I do at the gathering? What can I do to help? New people ask that question, and some of our veterans ask that question at various times and in various ways. So this morning, I want to take some time to, to provide a more comprehensive answer to that question. What can you do to add to the growth and development of the gathering in 2016? What can we do to expand the reach of our church in the next year? What can you do to bring more glory and honor to the Father? The answer? Engage. You can simply engage. To engage means to get involved in something, to participate. To engage means to contribute, to become occupied with something. You and I can impact the mission of our church and bring glory to God by engaging in these four essential habits. What are they? First of all, connect. The Apostle Paul expressed his personal desire to know Christ, he expressed his yearning To know Christ and connect with Jesus more fully in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Would you turn to that passage now? Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as. As rubbish, he says. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So, what can you do? You can connect with Jesus, you can get to know him and get to know the power of his resurrection. First and foremost, everyone in our gathering family needs to connect with Jesus fully through the Scriptures and through the Spirit by faith and experience all that He has prepared for us in the year ahead. Connect with Jesus. Second, we need everyone in our church to connect with other brothers and sisters. There are so many passages in the New Testament that talk about the, the importance and the necessity of building community, but Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 are two of my favorite verses. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, some of us are pretty good at stirring up one another, stirring up other people, but not necessarily toward love and good works. We just stir them up. The author of Hebrews says, Look, think about, consider, ponder how you might stir up other people, other believers, uh, to love and good works, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is about building community. This is about connecting with other believers in Jesus. And one of the best things you can do to help your church is to get connected to a few other believers in the church. That's what they did in the early church, in the New Testament church. Turn to Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. It says, Every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus in the temple, and from house to house. So they met in large groups in the temple, and then they met in small groups from house to house. Large group, small group. Large group, small group. I think we need both. I think we need large groups like this, meeting together today to worship God and and learn together, and we need small groups meeting from house to house. They connected with God in worship, They connected with each other in small groups. So we have developed several small group offerings here at the church that meet weekly for fellowship, for prayer, for Bible study, for spiritual growth. Some meet weekly, some meet twice a month, but there are opportunities for you to connect with other believers. People of all ages and all stages of life and every level of spiritual maturity are meeting together regularly. And sometimes in our building, most often in homes, to learn the Word of God and to grow deeper in community. Would you please give me another 30 seconds for another shameless plug advertisement for 33 The Series? This men's study has been incredibly helpful to so many men in our church already. 33 The Series. It's only six weeks long. Each Um, volume, each section, is only six weeks long, and we have three different sections for you to choose from this time around. So guys, please, consider coming to a six-week study, 33 the series, to connect with God and with some other brothers in the Lord. You know, we keep looking for ways, we keep searching for good ways to build gospel-centered community here at the gathering so that everyone can get connected somewhere. Some of of our studies are longer term. Some are short term, six weeks or ten weeks or twelve weeks, and then they take a break. But there, there are ways and means for you to get connected to other brothers and sisters through the gathering, and I hope you take advantage of them in the year ahead. What can you do? First of all, connect. Connect with Jesus. Connect with other believers. Secondly, you can serve. We believe... When the followers of Jesus engage in Christian service, it leads to more significant life change. Serving other believers, serving other people, is one of the ways that you can grow spiritually. 1 Peter 4.10 As each believer has received a spiritual gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, in our church... It takes over 40 volunteers every week. It takes over 40 people every week just to make Sunday mornings happen. So believe me when I say there's a place for you to serve in the church right here at the gathering. We will easily find something for you to do if you have it in your heart to serve. In the local community, we want the gathering to be known um, for serving others with extraordinary generosity. So we invest both time and money in serving our local communities in Windsor-Essex. Cleaning up parks, picking up trash, uh, painting fences, delivering treats to local businesses, uh, raking leaves for seniors, hosting the Harvest Festival, and so on and so forth. We want the name and fame of Jesus to increase in our neighborhoods because of our servanthood, because of our willingness to serve people. We want people to know the gathering as a place that helps in the community. It gives back, doesn't just take. So there's a place for you to serve our communities, our neighborhoods, through the gathering. In the global community, our participation so far has been limited. Uh, we've given generously to North American missions at Easter time, and we gave generously to international missions and our Christmas offering, and, and that's, that's a good thing. But there's more we can do. So in the months ahead, we want to explore how we can serve in disciple-making ministries internationally. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, verse 19, to Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Not just our own nation. Not just our own neighborhoods. Not just the easy places either. But all nations. Go to all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's our mandate. That's our calling. So, what can I do at the gathering? You can connect with Jesus. You can connect with other believers. And you can serve in the church, in the community, and also in the world. And thirdly, you can invite. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Invite your co workers. Invite, invite, invite. Saw something this week in John chapter 1 that really grabbed my attention. Would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Fourth gospel in the New Testament. Something I want you to see in John chapter 1. Okay, you've got it? Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, "'Where are you staying?' "'Come,' he replied, "'and you will see.'" So that, that's the invitation. Come. Come and see. Come and watch my life. Come and see where I'm staying. Come and, come and see how I live. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. They hung out with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So, to summarize what's going on here, Andrew starts to follow Jesus after he hears the declaration and the exclamation of his mentor John the Baptist. Look, the Lamb of God! So Andrew starts to follow Jesus on the recommendation of his friend John the Baptist and verse 41 says the first thing the very first thing Andrew did after spending the day with Jesus was to find his brother Simon and tell his brother Simon about Jesus first thing and then in verse 42 Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus and that's exactly what we need to be doing here at the gallery. We we need to be we need to be inviting people to come and see, come and hear, come and listen, come and experience, come and learn. We need to invite people to come and meet Jesus. You know, in a in a recent poll of a thousand people, LifeWay Research found that six out of ten people typically attend church at Christmas time. Christmas Eve service, Christmas Day service, Christmas Night service, I don't know. They weren't specific, but they just talked about 6 out of 10 people will typically attend church at Christmas time. But among those who don't attend church at Christmas time, a majority, 57% of people who don't attend church at Christmas time say they would likely attend if someone they knew invited them. Did you get that? If someone they knew invited them, they would likely attend. 57% said that. So, the survey says that your friend or mine, your family member or mine, may very well say yes if we just invite them. Did you know that a man who came to faith at the end of one of our Christmas services just a few weeks ago was invited to our church by someone else? I mean that's how he got here in the first place. He was invited and because he was invited to that particular service he came to know Jesus. So folks, Come on, let's develop, let's nurture the habit of inviting people to church. By inviting them to church, we're inviting them to come and see Jesus, come and meet Jesus, come and learn from Jesus. Connect, serve, invite. These are three things that you can do to engage in your church and foster growth and development in your church in the coming year. And I have something for you this morning that will help you remember these words of engagement: connect, serve, invite. Right now, the ushers are going to come and hand out a small card to you. It's a business card, actually, that you can tuck away in your Bible or your wallet or put on your mirror in the in the bathroom, just to remind you how you can engage. In your church in the months ahead, connect, serve, invite, and last but not least, give. That's right, give. Your financial support enables us to create environments and events in which men and women, boys and girls, teenagers and young adults, can receive the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ and feel like they belong. And that's what we're here for. We're here to help people receive the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ and then feel like they belong here. God's Word says in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, most people who've who've got any agricultural background or gardening experience, they understand this. How many of you grew up with farming in your background? Okay, a few of you, a number of you. So, so you know... And most people understand that you, you, you can't take a fistful of soybeans, for example. You can't take just a fistful of soybeans and spread, it, spread them out over an acre of property or hectare of farmland and expect a plentiful harvest. It just doesn't happen that way. When you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But when you sow generously, you will reap generously. It's a law of the harvest, both in the physical world as well as the spiritual realm. And each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, Paul says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, maybe not all you want, but having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So let me just say, we're so thankful for your interest in supporting the ministries of the gathering. We're so grateful for your financial investment here. Thanks for opening up your hearts and your bank account to the Lord and to our church. Thank you. Your giving actually helps people know they are loved and feel like they belong. Your money does that. It helps people know they are loved by God and feel like they belong to a church family. So thank you. It takes money to pay salaries and utilities and rent. It takes money to purchase curriculum and Bible studies and equipment. It takes money to sponsor youth retreats and vacation Bible school and conferences. It takes money. There's just no getting around that. And I'm not sure why some preachers are reluctant to to mention money ever. Jesus talked more about money in in the Gospels than he did about heaven. It takes money to do what we're doing. And, and, and by the way, let me just remind you that we added a full-time salary 10 days ago. 10 days ago, we added a full-time salary. We now have an associate pastor and his family on board that we have agreed to support. So I'd like to en- encourage you, I'd like to challenge you to become a generous giver in the new year. I'd like to challenge you to become a, a substantial, significant sizable giver in 2016. We are hoping, we're hoping to increase the number of percentage givers in our church and decrease the number of comfortable givers in our church. A comfortable giver is someone who spends uh, whatever they want Um, on things like groceries and utilities and new purses and new video games and uh, Starbucks and the movies and dinner at the keg and tickets to the hockey game. Get my drift? (laughs) And then, only then do they decide on how much they'd be comfortable giving to the church. I have to say, there's not much joy and not much faith and being a comfortable giver. A percentage giver, on the other hand, says, you know what, I'm just going to trust God to provide for my needs. My my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and I'm just going to trust him to give me what I need to live on. I'm going to honor God with my giving. I'm going to give him a percentage of my income every week or every payday and I'm just going to trust him to help me live on the rest. Because whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously." So I don't know about you, but I'd like to reap generously. So I need to sow generously. That's just the way it works. My wife and I have been giving a percentage of our family income to a local church for over 35 years. We believe in giving to the local church. We believe in tithing to the local church. Tithe means 10%. And so we've been doing that for more than 35 years. And I can't even begin to tell you how much joy and how much satisfaction, how much peace we have in Christ because of that. I mean, you can't take it with you, right? So you might as well invest it in something that's going to last forever. You might as well invest your, your 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 money in something that's going to outlast you. So Patty and I give a percentage to our local church because we know the church will continue long after we're gone, if the Lord prevails. So as, as people get more comfortable here in our church family, and they acquire a sense of belonging to our church family, they, they often ask, in, in, in one way or another, what, what can I do at the gathering? What can I do to help? Well, connect as deeply as you can with Jesus. That's far and away the most important. Connect as deeply as you can with Jesus. Connect as deeply as you can with a few brothers and sisters in Christ. Find a place to serve... Invite your friends and family to meet Jesus and become a generous and cheerful giver. That's what you could do in the year ahead to expand the reach of our church. So I, I want to invite you this morning, I invite you to engage your heart and mind and soul in the greatest adventure on the planet, which is living by God's grace for His glory the greatest adventure on the planet, living by God's grace and for His glory. Nothing compares to that, my friends. Nothing compares to living by grace for the glory of God. So, so what is your heart prompting you to do with this message today? What is God asking you to do is, is God asking you to connect more deeply, serve more consistently, invite more frequently, give more generously? What is it that God is asking you to do?